0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the reign of Hezekiah, as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites, and he gathered them together in the East Street. And he said, Sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, And have forsaken him, and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. And they have shut up the doors of the porch. They've put out the lamps, and they have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel." Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to the hissing as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword. Our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. And it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, talking to the priest. For the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. So here, the first thing that Hezekiah does is reestablish the worship of Jehovah. The temple had been shut. It would have been filled with just a lot of junk, filthiness, pollution. And the doors had been shut. They had not been offering the daily sacrifices. They had not been keeping the the lights of the menorah lit. They had just forsaken the worship of Jehovah God completely during the reign of Ahaz. And it is Hezekiah's purpose to reestablish. Now, calling the priests together and saying, okay, now you fellows, sanctify yourselves. And let's get... Back, I'm determined to make a covenant to worship God. And so Hezekiah was the instrument to forestall the judgment of God in the fact that he was turning the people back to the worship of God once again. And so they gathered their brothers, they sanctified themselves according to the commandment of Hezekiah, by the words of the Lord, to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the uncleanness that was found there in the temple of the Lord. And they carried it down to the brook Kidron and dumped it down there in the bottom of the valley. And they began the first day of the first month to sanctify. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the porch of the Lord, and they sanctified the house of the Lord. So they started going through sanctifying everything. Now... There was a, a ritual by which things had to be sanctified, and, and the purification rites. There was a whole ritual to it, and it took several days. And they would go one area at a time, sanctifying the holy of holies again, then sanctifying the holy place, sanctifying the table of showbread, sanctifying the altar of incense, sanctifying the uh, candles, and, and it took eight days, actually, to formulate the oil that was burned in the candles. Uh, Getting so that you'd have the sanctified oil to burn in the sanctified lamp and the whole thing. And uh, so uh, they they started this process. And the first day of the first month, they began this process of sanctification. And it was coming, of course, now you're in the first month, you've got the great feast of the Passover coming up. But they didn't have time to get everything all set for the feast of the Passover in the first month. Now, there was a provision in the law of Moses that if a person could not observe the Feast of the Passover in the 14th day of the first month, that he could do it on the 14th day of the second month. And so they determined that they would have the Feast of the Passover once more. It is something that was, you know, back in their history. They hadn't done it for a long time And they determined that they were going to start the feast again, that they would observe the feast of the Passover unto the Lord. And so they sent messages throughout all of the land, inviting the people to come to the feast of the Passover in the second month. And it is interesting that they even sent messages on up into the northern kingdom, into the areas of Samaria in the northern kingdom, inviting the people that they should come. And so there was this great celebration of the feast of the Passover. They restored the worship of the temple and all, and then in chapter 30 we get the Passover. But in the restoration of the worship in the temple, verse 27, And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments, ordained by David, the king of Israel. David had invented a lot of musical instruments and ordered the singers and all. And as they started to burn the sacrifice, they began to sing and worship God once more. And so the beautiful sight, really, of of the worship of God reinstituted there in the temple. All of the congregation worshiped. And the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, And all of this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now, the burnt offering was the offering of consecration. They offered a sin offering because they had sinned against God, but then the burnt offering, you remember he said, I have made a covenant to serve the Lord. That's what the burnt offering was all about. The burnt offering was the offering of consecration. It is the consecration of my life to serve God. And so the Bible says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you'll present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a sin sacrifice, but a burnt offering sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. In other words, here, God, is my body. I sacrifice my body to you. That is, I am consecrating my body and my life to serve you. That's what the burnt offering sacrifice was all about, the offering of consecration. And so Hezekiah the king, the princes, commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they began to sing the Psalms, with which you are familiar, and they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in the sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart burnt offerings. Now, sometimes there is a mistaken notion that we can legislate righteousness. It's impossible. The worship of God must always arise out of a free heart. You cannot force people to worship God. That always has to come from the free heart. It should never come out of coercion. It should never come out of pressure. Whatever you give, Yourself, that which you have Should always be done freely And willingly from your heart And so the people, as many as were of a free heart Came and worshipped And Hezekiah rejoiced, verse 36 And all the people That God had prepared the people For the thing was done in a hurry Actually, this was a hurried up deal And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and to Judah and he wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh. This is up in the northern. That they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto Jehovah God of Israel. But the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month, inasmuch as they could not keep it at this time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently And neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation, so they established the decree to make the proclamation from Israel, from Beersheba, which is in the southern portion towards the desert, even unto Dan, which is up almost at the base of Mount Hermon in the northern part of the Hula Valley above the Sea of Galilee. So the messengers went out with letters from the king and his princes throughout all of Israel and Judah. And according to the commandment of the king, they said, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. So notice they are now addressing themselves to the remnant that had escaped out of the hands of the king of Assyria. And they were up there in the northern tribes, Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, and all. And be not like your fathers and like your brothers which trespassed against Jehovah God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as you see. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord. Enter into His sanctuary, which He has sanctified forever. Serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of His wrath may turn away from you. And if you turn again to the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive so that they shall come again to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. Now Hezekiah is sending out this letter. You see, the Assyrians had come and they had taken now the northern kingdom. They had taken the people captive And just a remnant of people were left. He writes to them and he says, look, come and let's turn back to God. If we'll just turn back to God, God will work. And and your families that have been carried away captive, they can be returned again. Let's really turn with all of our hearts to God. Come on down and let's worship God. And it was an endeavor to, to unite again the people and draw those from the northern kingdom back to the worship of the Lord. A very beautiful attempt on the part of Hezekiah. And then his statement to them, if you will do this, surely God will bless, for God is gracious and merciful. There is a false concept that the Bible actually portrays two gods the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament being a God of wrath and vengeance, and the God of the New Testament being a God of love. Not so. In the Old Testament, God is revealed as a God of compassion. And as Hezekiah said, for God is gracious and merciful. And he is presented in the Old Testament as a gracious, merciful, compassionate God. However, for those that reject his grace and mercy... Their own lives bring upon themselves destruction. God is compassionate. God is merciful. But God will not shield you forever. And ultimately, the fruit of your own wickedness is going to catch up with you. And then people want to blame God for the judgment. The judgment that is constantly around them. And the only thing that keeps you from that judgment is God's protecting hand. Now, in the New Testament, God is portrayed as a God of love. Yes, God so loved the world. But also a God of judgment. If you want to read Revelation, chapters 6 through 18 you'll find all about the God of justice and the God of judgment as He allows to come upon the earth the fruit of their own rebellion and as He pours out His wrath against the ungodly. So those people who say, well, there are two gods revealed in the Bible, the God of wrath in the Old Testament, the God of love in the New, just really don't know the Bible they've never really done a serious study of the Bible. It's ridiculous to say that there are two gods revealed. One God. He is a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of compassion, revealed both in the Old and the New Testament. But He is also a God of righteousness and of justice. And so Hezekiah's encouragement Turn to the Lord. Nevertheless, the people in the northern kingdom just sort of laughed at the messengers who came, sort of put them down, put down their message. However, many of them, many of them came on down to celebrate the Passover. And a great multitude gathered in Jerusalem. This was going to be a momentous event. Here the worship of God had been forsaken for so long, and now a, the great holy day, the day of Passover. And they were going to gather together, and the multitudes gathered together in Jerusalem for this Passover. And even to gather for the Passover, it was necessary to go through a purification rite. They had, what you'd have to do is actually shave your head Then you'd have to come into the temple every day and go through certain bathings and so forth to to be sanctified, to cleanse yourself really from the defilement of the Gentile world. And and this was especially true of those who had been living in Gentile nations and would come back to Jerusalem for the holy days. Uh, It was necessary to sort of cleanse yourself from all of the pollution of the Gentiles. So they had this whole purification right. You remember when Paul... Returned to Jerusalem. And the feast day was coming, and Paul wanted to participate in the feast day in Jerusalem as long as he was there. And so uh, he started into the purification rites. And he started sponsoring a couple young men in the purification rites because you couldn't work during this time, so you really needed someone to sort of sponsor you if you didn't have the bucks yourself. And so James said, Now, Paul, they hear that, you know, you've been stirring up you know, the Jews in the Gentile cities and you're not really being a good Jewish boy and you've been following the practice of Gentiles and all now, a lot of, you know, the church is quite upset. You know, they hear that you're sort of radical and, and, and out, you know, out there among the Gentiles. So why don't you just sort of settle them all down and take the part of a good Jew boy and, and just go ahead and go through the rites and, and sponsor these two boys and, and show everybody that, you know, you're still a Jew. So Paul, to keep peace, went into the temple, went through the purification rites, but it was there that some of the Jews from Asia who were also being purified saw Paul. And uh, they said, this is the fellow who has created all the problems through Asia and all. And the big tumult where Paul was saved, actually, from a lynching mob by the Roman guard and taken into... uh, the fortress of Antonio, where as he was going in, he said to the guard, let me talk to these people a minute. And the guard said, okay. And uh, so Paul began to preach to these people. He waved his hand, quiet, folks, you know, and they were all out there yelling and screaming, you know, kill him, get rid of him. And, and uh, so, let me talk to you fellas, quiet a minute. And they all hushed, and Paul began to tell them, hey, look, I know how you feel. I, I know where you're at. I was just like you are. Look, the the Pharisees, they'll testify that I was one of them. In fact, I was persecuting the church. I thought I was doing God a service just like you do today. I know where it's at. I I know exactly how you feel. In fact, it was when I was on my way to Damascus that I was apprehended by Jesus Christ. And he said, why are you persecuting me? And I said, Who are you, Lord, that I might serve you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Paul said, And so he spoke to me and said that he was going to send me to the Gentiles. Now, when he said the word Gentiles, things just broke loose. People began to rip off their clothes, throw dirt in the air, start screaming and all. And he was talking to the people in Hebrew so that the Roman captain couldn't understand He was, of course, new Latin But uh, he didn't know what Paul had said and the, and the crowd started rushing and he said Grab him inside quick And they took Paul inside the, uh, the uh, fortress there And he said Find out what he said to those people Scourge him Make him tell Now the scourging was actually the Roman third degree they would take and whip you with this leather whip with little bits of lead embedded in it and broken glass. And they would lay it across your back, ripping open your back until you'd scream out your crime or whatever. And and so he said, examine him by scourging. Find out what he said. Created such a tumult out there. And so... Paul was going through this same purification thing. Now, the people had come. But here they were straggling in, and the time for the ceremony had arrived, and they just came. They didn't have time to, to go through the whole ritual of, of, of sanctifying themselves. So Hezekiah said, Lord, have mercy on these poor people. They've come so far, and here they are to worship you. Let them get by without the rites. You know, let, let's bypass the whole ritual And just receive them, Lord. And the Lord spoke and said that he would receive them without the rituals for them to go ahead and observe the Passover. And so it was a turning point again for the people in turning them back to God. And Hezekiah prayed for them saying, the good Lord pardon everyone. I like that. That prepares his heart to seek God.
0: We'll return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of 2 Chronicles on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Second Chronicles 29 through 30 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And now, once again, here's
1: Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and strengthen you for this week. May the anointing of God's Holy Spirit rest upon your life. And through His beauty, may your life shine forth. May God cause the fullness of His Spirit to rest upon you And may your life be a strong testimony and a witness to those around of the grace and the love of our Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with
1: great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.